Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Movies That Move Us, the the Ethan Hawk Hawk Talk podcast uh, special edition. And uh, today I'm joined by my co-host, Quince Van Orden. How's it going? Hey, I'm happy to be so, here. <laughs> yeah, glad to have you on here. Um, we're going to be discussing The Black Phone. This is a 2021 movie. And uh, I actually saw this one in the theaters, but then we both just just watched it so that we could discuss it this time. So I'll go through and do a quick little synopsis of it. Um, yep. According to IMDb, it says, After being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a 13-year-old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. Once again, we are going to go into some spoiler territory, so just be warned. Um, one of the things that I think is kind of missing from this is that there's also a kind of, uh, besides the supernatural element of the phone calls that are that are happening on a disconnected phone, it doesn't mention that his sister is also having... Uh, supernatural. Kind of, yeah, supernatural kind of... I don't know. I don't, and they start off with dreams, and then they kind of, yeah, like daydreams and and like towards the end she even is like inside like uh um kind of like the killer's head post-mortem reliving it and she can hear finney and so there's like just this weird connection right there yeah so there's kind of like a before. brother sister connection as well as some other stuff Obviously, we're not going to delve into the performances of anybody but our man, Ethan Hawke. But I'll say before anything, the boy did great, but we're here about Ethan Hawke. Yeah, um, I mean, honestly, I would I would say that the boy and the girl both do mm. phenomenal jobs. I kind of feel bad for them. Like, yeah, let, let, let's, let's uh, divert for just a quick second that they have this abusive dad in the movie. And it, I just feel like, oh man, sure, you're not going to get killed by a serial killer at the end, but <laughs> you still have to go back and live with that that monster of a dude. I, I was thinking the same. And then, you know, he's at the end, you know, asking for forgiveness. But Finney also knows, like, I've killed a man. I'll kill you. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. He has that in his head. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't consider that aspect. I'm just thinking that like, you know, there's like so many parents who like they are terrible people and then, you know, their kid disappears for a little bit or you know, does something and they're like suddenly soup like they become the most apologetic parent and they're like, "Oh, I they were so good. They they finally realize like how good they love their kid, blah blah blah." And then it's like, I imagine 2 weeks, 3 weeks later, you know, it's going to wear off that that little hero status and like it's just going to turn back to a bad abusive situation where the children kind of have to look after each other again and be like Mm -hmm. okay i'll take care of dad you go stay at janey's house or whatever Mm -hmm. it was so uh the summary like you said already that this boy finn was kidnapped by ethan hawk's character the grabber grabber. yeah and what did you think of his mask he had like four different ones he had a full one he had a full, another full one that you could take off the top or the bottom and, or something like that. I don't know. It seemed like a two, two-parter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was, I liked it. I liked the like white demon kind of aspect of it. 
Oh yeah. I, I love it. I kind of think that it represents different states of mind for him where he's, Mm -hmm. he's wearing the mask in this, in this way. Oh, this is like more of his, like his more serial killery way. This one is like the more kind of timid version. Uh, I think that he just kind of had like those different versions of his mask. I'm not sure if he had multiple masks or if it was just a top and bottom. No, I, well, at least the very first time he gets kidnapped, you don't that ma- he has like a white mask that doesn't have a mouth. And then later on, you see one with a mouth and one with a top. So I, I feel like there's at least two different masks and one of them is break apart. Gotcha. Um, and, I, yeah. I, and I think it's interesting. He does show sometimes the top half of his face. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he shows the bottom half of his face. But at but the he end, never wants to be seen without at least one part. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when he gets it taken off, he starts freaking out. And... You know, if we also want to add on to other masks that he's kind of wearing, he does wear some white face paint when mm-hmm. he's like being clown dude or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he's got like kind of that as well as like kind of a persona that we only briefly see. Mm hmm. And that that one is also kind of a a mask for him to kind of be in public with, where it's like it's not covering his face so much, but he looks like he just got off of his clown job, his nine to five uh, clown so job. So he, he kidnaps the boy, right? And then he yeah. uh, he takes him. Okay, he had kidnapped the boy, and the, and and we'll go through some other scenes within the kidnapping. But the boy kills him and escapes. But what I was trying to say, I thought was like a weird or funny part in a sense, was the cops go to the house where he buries the kids. Mm-hmm. But they didn't care to look across the street where there's a big black van parked. And like they knew that it was a black van. like <laughs> Right. Yeah. In the driveway. Surprising. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of assuming that they were just fully taking what the girl had said. And they're just like, we're going to rush in here. I don't know. Uh-huh. I've seen, I've seen plenty of cops who are kind of, uh, focused on, on one task way too much. And that they're like missing the criminal getting away and the other in the background. Mm-hmm. Let's get into worse scene that you think of him. in. why don't you go first on this one? Okay. I'd say that is tough because he did, he did great in everything. I feel like, but the when they did take off the mask and he kind of freaked out that I felt that was weird or or the fact when he when he actually kidnapped the kid, I feel like this is his fifth child. He should have it down in my mind of how to kidnap the kids. It seemed like he still struggled. You know, I'm going to actually say something similar to your first one where, you know, the mask comes off. I think that it it was a little bit less believable that he's. I get that he's like kind of in pain. He had like kind of bent his foot and whatnot, but uh-huh. it's still, there was still something that was a little uncanny about that performance. And in, in just in that scene, it's uh-huh. like, okay. And then like he grabs the kid and I don't, I don't know if I fully believe that the kid could get away in that situation. I don't know that that one just takes a little bit more. Oh, to believe. Like it. it was, it was a little believable to be honest. I'm still wondering where he got the stake though. <laughs> To get away from the dog. <laughs> um, I also I did think uh, when Ethan Hawke's brother was going to 
come down that the kid was going to hit him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was afraid for that. Uh, I was like, no, not a mistaken identity. Cause he hadn't seen his face, but thankfully he was like, Oh my goodness, what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I felt bad for him when he killed his brother. Um, yeah. Okay. But best Maybe scene. Max. I do have best scene. Okay. Go for it. When I think it's the second boy on the phone tells him not to go upstairs. It's a trap. And then we kind of pan and he starts to walk up, but he doesn't go all the way up and you pan and you see built Ethan Hawke. Like, I think this is his best shape in all of his movies. This might've been one of his best shapes that he's been in and he's been in a Marvel movie. And yet he, this is his best shape. Um, recently, I would say, (laughs) I, I think if we go back to like daybreakers, he's in better shape back then. Maybe I, I don't remember. Like I would think Gattaca, he'd be in really good shape too. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I was stunned where he's just like kind of sitting there shirtless. I do agree that like he is very imposing, and I was actually gonna kind of pick the same scene of just anytime that he is kind of sleeping. There's this weird tension. It's great. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. Like the fact that he just sleeps in a chair and like. Mm-hmm. And just kind of broods in that way. It's it's so scary. Mm-hmm. He's waiting to play the naughty game. Right. Okay. Do you think he molested the kids? I don't know. That's a. Uh... They kind of give reference to it that he he may have with some of the previous kids. Yeah. But they never outright say it. Yeah, I think that he probably did. I I bet that if you go into the into the book um because i this is based on a book i bet that there's like more of that type of stuff and especially since this is kind of very stephen king ish mm-hmm. there's like always molestation or like stuff with with mm. that in in these so it's like you know what if i'm to believe that this is really something like that then yeah i i, I believe that he was molesting them Okay, so his job, we, we don't know what his real job is, but his job as the kidnapper killer, is that believable? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree, because, I mean, we've already said that Ethan Hawke is an everyday man, and sometimes everyday man is a creepy kidnapper. Um, and, <laughs> and yet, uh, I think he, he pulled it off really well. Yeah, and like kind of going back to the mask thing where like mm-hmm. he's got the multiple masks. Like I felt like he was expressing like the different themes or like the different ways that like serial killers kind of have like this multiple personalities. Like the mm-hmm. one that is the killer, the one that's like the the person who has been abused or molested or you know something else and is like the timid version of them that they like kind of flip it back and forth between um, maybe additional ones. Yeah, I I believe that he mm-hmm. he is that. So uh I, I know we, we kind of already said I mean, we, we, we talk about Hawk Talk Bottom, but like I said, his top and he, he was just in excellent shape um, for that. And so that I think he looked and maybe I have to go back to Gattaca again, but I, I think he did look finer than Gattaca in this. See, I, I think you're I think you're going to go back to Gattaca and you're just going to be like, well, what was I even thinking? Maybe. I don't I don't think that he I know that I know that's pre dad bod. Yeah, um, because that's where he marries and gets his dead bod. Um, mm-hmm. but, 
Yeah, absolutely. I I don't think we really see his butt in this one. No. So, <laughs> but it, so it's right up on his <laughs> Yeah. Would you want a sequel or a prequel? I think if they were going to do this, they would have to do a prequel. But uh, of also, the other kids happening and where they, yeah. where they put their stuff? Yeah, yeah. But I, honestly, I don't want a sequel or a prequel of this. Mm-hmm. Because actually, it, it, I, I want to take back my 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 original answer. I think that it would actually need to be a a sequel, but it would be obviously following somebody else, somebody who who was also interested in in the types of crimes that he was doing, and that they like kind of oh pick like up a where he left off, yeah, and or a copycat, and then he he ends up had kidnapping Finn again, <laughs> like not again. <laughs> I mean, you could have Finn be the kidnapper at that point, just kind of mm-hmm. pull a saw or something yeah. like where yeah. one of the one of the victims becomes uh, the perpetrator going forward. Uh, so, I, do I want one? No, I I like how it is, just like a standalone story. Mm-hmm. I you agree. can watch this one. I I feel like it would kind of frustrate some of it if like you kind of keep adding to it but also since this is kind of like a Stephen King movie you know there's a bunch of Stephen King movie stories that were adapted into movies and then got sequels Pet Cemetery 2 for instance mm-hmm. so I wouldn't put it past them to like kind of do something like this so with a prequel in my head or, or, or one question I just had the first person to be kidnapped who was the big tough guy who just beat the snot out of two others. And he, with a knife, wrote down the number address mm-hmm. of the house where they buried the bodies. Was that his house? Did he kill the kid whose house that was and then took his house? Or I thought maybe it was his own kid. Maybe it was himself house. as a younger person. You know, that's a, he's carving in a, a number to the to the kid that he beat up as a younger man. And he's like, oh, I'm going to. No, no, no. Finn bury. saw that. Finn saw the, the beating up. Hmm. Because he's like, I, I was scared of you. Um, so he knew this kid. Like the long haired kid who was playing pinball? Yes. Uh, that's where I was like confused why he like took the knife and wrote down the number address. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure why he wrote down the address. It could also just be like, maybe he carved something else, but there's like, you know, ripples in time that kind of like change it. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that was the same scene that the sister saw. She's kind of went with him. Yeah, that's why I just like had that kind of question. I'm like, why did he write that in there? And the police officers seem to have taken him to that home. So, yeah, that was a bit strange to like take him to this house where it's like, oh, are they escorting him to the to or the, the parents or something? Mm-hmm. That's why I think. What if he did live in that home and Ethan Hawke killed him and his parents? Yeah, that could be it, man. Serial killers, like, I feel like I'm doing things wrong in life because I don't have any home, <laughs> and this serial killer has two uh, homes. Two. <laughs> That's true. You know, maybe he li- maybe he only had the one home across the street from, well, from this Well, this kid. also was Denver, and this was 
uh, 70s. Yeah. Houses were a bit more affordable back then. <laughs> there, uh, I'm going to get off track. Never mind. Um, <laughs> okay. I think we got just one last little bit. Do you recommend it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I would recommend this one for sure. Where, of, of the movies that we've reviewed so far of Ethan Hawke, I think, I think we need to start putting like together a top list. Um, I, I think this is near the top, if not the top. You think that this is <laughs> above Before Sunrise? Mm, I know you love that one. Um, the thing is, they're like two different genres. You know what I mean? It's just like complete differences there mm-hmm. um i've got we have talked about before sunrise and before sunset but not before midnight i think that's the last one we haven't talked about that one yet um yeah we actually never uploaded um our it was kind of a test episode when we did before before uh sunset so oh, yeah. we actually haven't uh, recorded one to to share with with the audience for that yes true but okay so so far, I would put before sunset or before sunrise. Before um, sunrise, and and then maybe this. as the very top one. Yeah, probably this one. Maybe second. Maybe then, maybe Juliet naked as the next one below. I'd probably put uh, ID day, daybreakers. Oh, okay, um, and, and and I'm also counting like purely his role. In these, uh, like, okay, yeah, yeah, you, you, you know, uh, like Glass Onion is a great movie. We did talk about it very briefly, <laughs> but he's two seconds in it, so that's that's probably gonna be at the very bottom, um, because he, he just didn't have enough in it. Um, and so, yeah, even though he's a great, great two seconds in it, it's just, like, yes. yeah, he's he's just hardly in it, <laughs> it's hard, hard to judge it. Um, I would actually put Daybreakers near the bottom. Like, it was just very campy. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Yeah. Um, I, and, and maybe that's why I do like it. It is, it, it is a campy. Um, and so is The Purge. I mean, I feel like that, that's oh, all. for sure, yeah. Um, but, uh... Um, yeah, so this is, uh, we recommend it. In general, Ethan did a fantastic job uh, and you know i i think this is a, a great way um you know really showing acting with your face or your eyes or nothing at all how well can you still show great acting and not makeup or cgi or whatever um but i, I think he did fantastic you know, and one thing that we probably have, we, we should have discussed a little bit more. This is from 2021. This is a movie that was firmly made in the COVID era of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very small cast, very small uh, type of venues that they've kind of created. Uh, they they do look somewhat CGI for some of some of the places that they have. Um, you Wait, know, what looks CGI? I, I just feel like there's like maybe some type of 
I think so it's because it's so low budget. Because all, all all you need is that just that cement room. You know that's yeah, why it's like so low like budget. Something about that that and that and like you, room. There's like you, you there is some like there is some CGI going on with like some of the special effects, like the glasses that are like shattering and like flying through the air. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah yeah! That low budget that supernatural and, part, but uh, but, but I, I thought you were talking like honest, background. Like, I think it, it it does have like a a good look despite being just I don't know four mm-hmm. or five locations. There's like mm-hmm. a couple rooms of the house, a couple rooms yeah, of the kids' like, house and the school. Like that's, you can easily find houses that are made in the seventies. You don't need to show off that. The clothing, you know, doesn't need to show off. You know, uh, unlike what we <laughs> we talked about earlier in text, how I recently saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You know, and that one, I I was surprised of how much like footage of like um, going through the town and and whatnot um, was different. But that's a whole different story for a different time. Let me introduce one other thing into this. What mm-hmm. do you think of the poster of the movie? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, I mean, I like this one. I, I know not all posters work, but this one does um, with his his mask on it, right? Yeah, he's got the mask on. He's got the hat. He's kind of dressed kind of in his his uh, quirky outfit that you first encounter him in, mm-hmm. where he's got the, the black shirt on over the top of his his uh his turtleneck sweater. You're just like, it's too warm. <laughs> but yeah, it, I think it's a, a good outfit. The colors are very, it's like black, red, white. It's, it looks good. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I don't know, it's black phone because it's, it's not that phone, but maybe because also COVID and that whole time in my mind, I wanted to say black mask, but I'm like, no, it's a white mask. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously, having it be called the black phone, and then you don't show a phone in the for the um, for the poster, it's a little bit misleading. Or mm. you're just like, wait, where does the phone fit fit in with this? But I think that the poster looks pretty iconic. It, it just like is a good creepy image without being. Mm. It doesn't. It doesn't show too much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think on Letterboxd I gave this a four out of five, and I'm pretty happy with that score. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, this is a great one. Everybody, go out, watch an Ethan Hawke movie, and have a great night. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.